Hi, I'm Graham Hyde, and this is a podcast all about making stuff better. The aim is to share knowledge and learning and spark curiosity in improving the health and care experienced by the people of Leeds through a series of conversations which are almost entirely grounded in the city. But what is a local care partnership? It's the term used in Leeds to describe our model of joined up working to deliver local care for local people working in and with local communities. All local care partnerships share the same key feature, a range of people working together, regardless of the employing organisation, to deliver joined up collaborative care that meets the identified population's needs. Each local care partnership includes statutory organisations such as the City Council, the NHS, but also brings together the vast knowledge, experience and expertise of the thriving third sector, community groups and elected members, alongside local people, to deliver services that support people to access the right support when they need it and thrive using their individual and community assets. The local care partnership model is strongly rooted in our Leeds health and wellbeing strategy embedding the vision that Leeds will be a healthy and caring city for all ages, where people who are the poorest improve their health the fastest. There are 15 of these local care partnerships covering the whole of Leeds, one for each person living in the city, and build on the strengths and an extensive history of collaboration in the city to realise some of the most exciting person-centred transformations in health and care. Now, on to this episode. So in this episode, uh, we're joined by Chris Jackson of LS14 Trust. So uh, good afternoon, Chris. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? All right, thank you. Uh, it's good to see you. And uh, so first of all, could you tell us a little bit about who you are um, and how you've got to where you are with LS14 Trust? And then also sort of move into what does LS14 Trust do? Yeah, so... Um, I'm Chris, obviously, originally from a small place called Tamworth. Um, I moved up here to come to university uh, 22 years ago now and stayed. Um, I got involved with the LS14 Trust. I worked in local authority, Mm -hmm. so I worked as a teacher, and then I got involved with the LS14 Trust about six years ago. Uh, And a really good friend of mine, Howard, who, who runs the Trust, uh, had been there a little while then and um, was looking to, I suppose, respond to some of the need that was in the community. And yeah. uh, so I joined him to try and it, we, we sort of grew the organisation a little bit, but um, and primarily at the time to to look at a bit of strategic funding and, and how we could become a bit more sustainable uh, yeah. and, and increase our reach a little bit. Yeah. OK. And. So that so you've just mentioned there about responding to community needs. So in your particular patch of leads, LS14, I expect. So that's mm. kind of um, is it Seacroft, Winmore, that sort yeah, of area. So, so Seacroft and Killingbeck, but the but the wider of LS14, yeah, we've got we've got Winmore as well. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a strange the way the boundaries are, are set around LS14, but but yeah. mainly Seacroft and Killingbeck that that we work in, yeah, which is. Um, Obviously, a, a, an area that, that that we love now and and have got to know and and we've got to know the people and the places and 
you know, we, we feel like, um, well, I think we feel like we, we belong now. I mean, there's always that thing. Yeah. I don't live in, in Seacroft, yeah. but and I did very much have a, that kind of bit reticent around working in an area where you're not from that area. So you're advocating on behalf of people in that area. Yeah. But you know what? I've, I've, I've found the opposite, really. I think they've knocked the edges off me. That was my issue and, and, and not people that we're working with. Okay. And, and what I found is actually that people are really warm and people are, are you know, are, are really open to, to, to working with us and to having conversations. And not once has anybody ever said to me, you know, you're not around here. You yeah, get that's really good. And here, get out. So, in fact, you know, the, the complete opposite. So, it's been a joy really to to spend time with people there. Fab. So, so what what was that original community need? What did was it Howard? Did you say what what yeah, were the things so that he was hearing or seeing in that in that community? So, the trust was originally set up in in two thousand nine by um, a lady called Nicola Green and and um, and Joanne Curtis. Um, and Joanne, it, it still works with us now, and it's a big part of, of everything that the trust does. Um, and then um, when Nick left, How, Howard came along to to, re, to replace her. Um, and I suppose rather than talk about need, I think um, the trust was set up really to to hold a space for the community uh, to find their potential, if you like. So. We specialise in in you know what's termed asset based community development, um, and you know we're really passionate about that, and and we really believe that um, the, the the skills that uh, that are available in the community are are quite incredible really, and actually it's about supporting people to find those kind of sustainable solutions, and so we're not technically a, a service provider, yeah, um, we you know we we have we do have some workshops and some spaces and places where people might come along and some of those might be led by other people or, or co-produced or co-led with the community. Um, but at the heart of it really is that whole idea uh, of asset-based community development uh, and working with people to help them find individual or, or, or collective solutions or creations or whatever together. Okay. And do you have... Um... Do you have a physical presence, a physical building that 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 you work out of, or, or people can identify as the as a, a local hub, for for example? We do, yeah. So so interestingly, um, we've we've just had a bit of a, a redevelopment of of the building. So we're 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 currently closed at the moment, and we're going to open in in a, in a couple of months' time, in or probably maybe at the end of October. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's on the the end of a row of of sixties shops and and masonettes, yeah. and on the bottom floor um, there has been and will be a, a brand new uh, cafe, community cafe, um, and at the at the back of the cafe, all on the same floor in the same space, there's going to be a, like a food pantry, almost like a community supermarket, um, and that's one of the things that's come from probably I think our experiences with COVID-19, which I know we're going to touch on a little yeah. bit later. Um, 
And then on the middle floor, it's a bit of a TARDIS, this building. So it doesn't look very big from the outside, but when you go in, it, it goes right up three to, to three floors. On the middle floor, um, we've got sort of a learning space where we're going to have, um, you know, IT and sofas and a bit of like a, a Google-style kind of office. office. You need, need some beanbags, definitely beanbags. Some, some beanbags, yeah, and some uh, maybe we could, we'll, <laughs> some cool language, I think, to use in the in the space, some yeah. buzzwords. Um, and so and I think the thought behind that is that uh, people who work for us and with us and um, people in the community and 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 pretty much anybody really can, can come and use this space to learn together. Um, and one of the projects that we're in at the moment is something called the Learning Lab. Uh, and that's, uh, we've got a young people's learning lab and an adult learning lab. And that again really is about um, bringing people together to explore, I suppose, opportunities for action in their community. Um, and, the, and the premise of, of, of this project is that uh, we we bring a group together, we, we find a little bit about what they'd like to change, what they'd like to create, what they'd like to do in the community. Then it, within that group, we also have local councillors, maybe people from local authority or housing team or communities team or, or whatever it might be. Um, and we go and visit places where for example, if it's a youth project, we're going to visit a youth project, which is of the same ilk of what we're looking to try and set up um, and speak to people who've done it and are passionate about it and um, take those experiences and bring them back within that learning lab, for want of a sort of better name, um, to, to, I suppose, then grow some of those projects, knowing that the people who can make decisions, the, the change makers, along with the residents, um, are all sort of working together towards something. So if you like, they've seen that it's plausible and possible, yeah. and they bring it back into the community to, to try and make it happen. So so we're not dictating what that might be, but but we are facilitating that, that process, if you like. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So is that learning lab, is that is that going to be like a new thing when you've got your new space, or is that already, you know, been going for a while and... And, it, and it's just that it will be the first thing that goes into this new amazing space. Yeah, so it's something that, that, that started off um, as, a, as a, a lottery funded project actually a little while ago. But then, of course, when the pandemic hit, it, it was difficult to bring people together. But, but we still continue virtually uh, yeah. over the last 12, 15 months. Um, and again, maybe when we come on to talk about some of the work with the local care partnership, uh, we utilised uh, that connection with that group of people and their local skills uh, to communicate with the local care partnership about, about the vaccine. Um, but I think, I suppose, the, the exciting thing about having the building refurbished so there's a space there, and more importantly, the exciting thing about being able to get together with people again, to be able to go and visit other places that we, we never, ever managed to get to. Um, that, you know, that, that I'm really really excited about that really passionate yeah. about that and i can't wait to see you know the results of of those inspirational visits and, and that collaboration work sort of across sectors with residents um yeah you know and and, and the space is just a space where that, that can happen it, it's more important that those networks are created really rather than the space itself 
Yeah. Well, I'm interested. I'm personally interested in in the cafe situation. So I, I'm, you know, in in my work across Leeds, always looking for a a nice cafe to go and do some work in or bring some people together. So I'll certainly, as soon as I know it's open, I'll uh, we'll be there because um, it's nice to come and see what other people are doing and you know learn and just just listen and observe sometimes just to see the the buzz and the atmosphere and what people are, are talking about so so I'll, I'll definitely definitely be there um, um so in terms of um the people that you work with how do how do you find them or how do they find you yeah that's that's a really good question and i think when you're trying to um keep to the principles of, of what we describe as the asset-based community development um, then then that you know that, that's not necessarily always that easy um, I think so over the years we've been involved in in, in different elements of, of community engagement work so um, we from big events in the park where we've had three or four hundred people um, to the smaller community cafe running on a regular basis. Um, we have uh, an art therapist, uh, a fantastic lady called Viv, who's based at the top of the building. And many of the people that come to work with her uh, filter down. And when, when they turn up to see her, you know, it might be a volunteer or local person that greets them. And so, so then when they come back from seeing Viv, they feel welcome. And so I think having art therapy in that community setting is a really interesting in, in way of doing things and, and that brings people into the organisation. Um, we also uh, run quite a few more regular events now so we, for, for young people so we've got a youth club um, I think they, I think there's something happening four or five nights a week for young people and families okay. uh, and uh, a brilliant lady called um, Naomi, who's our young persons and families lead, uh, has done a fantastic job in developing that. And we work really closely with Kentmere Community Centre, which is just a few hundred yards away from, from, from our building. And um, one of the buildings that was taken on uh, through Leeds Community Spaces, which we were part of um, originally, um, in as much as some of the community centres that may have been closed down um, these community spaces have taken them over and tried to get them into a position where they're viable and and you know community led etc. And so the first one that community spaces uh, took on was Kentmere, and um, partly because it was right next to us, so that 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 kind of support was there and and that relationship was there, and that's been hugely successful. Um, and like I say now, there's there's, there's something running pretty pretty much every day, um, which engages local people. So that's that's another route into uh into building positive relationships um and over the summer we do uh, lots of summer provision so uh, primarily through a lot of the healthy holidays um yeah, funding. Yeah. Um, yeah so and, and we've been doing that for, for for some years now and um just looking at the, the evaluation of of that this week i think we worked with about six or seven hundred young people all together over over the summer from sports camps to um workshop creative climate action workshops um to taking our ice cream van out that we purchased a little while ago into okay. neighborhoods yeah and giving away free ice cream and doing some sports and closing streets down uh and playing in streets and yeah giving ice creams out and so 
Yeah, wow. a whole range of things. I can't remember them all because there, there are so many. Uh, it, do, it does sound like there's tons. I, I'm particularly yeah. interested. What a great idea. Uh, an ice cream van and free ice cream mm. is it's genius. Genius taking, you know, we've seen, I suppose, with, you know, coming slightly onto COVID, we've seen the vaccine being taken to the people in certain communities. So, you know, taking... Uh, the sim- everyone knows what an ice cream van is, but taking that into the community just makes just makes it more accessible, doesn't it? You know, you, that you you're actually making the effort to to go to where the people are. Yeah, and I think there's something symbolic about it, isn't it? There's something yeah. great about it. we we all see an ice cream van, and it kind of evokes joy, doesn't it, straight away? Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I have to say, I did enjoy uh, standing, you know, opening the sliding window and seeing the queue out into the field oh, was, was was really <laughs> exciting. I mean, we even we even used it. Uh, when we had a vaccine clinic at Kentmere Community Centre right. and so sort of parked it outside the entrance to Kentmere Community Centre and then when people had the vaccine we we provided them with a with a free ice cream and um, and again it's just it, it really what it is it, it's that uh, excuse to, to to have a chat and to communicate yeah, and to sure. you know build warm relationships with people and and there's something about stand, standing in an ice cream van that enables you to do that. Uh, you've got yeah. something they want, you know. So it's, yeah, it's it's been, I mean, it's a great idea. Yeah. So how have you? So how how have you and your organisation been involved in? I suppose in the effort around COVID. So there's probably a couple of things to talk about. One is mm-hmm. how have you how you've supported your local community during lockdown and and sort of around the clinically extremely vulnerable people so there's there's that bit and then how have you been involved in i suppose raising awareness or or even getting people to have a vaccine you know not in a coercive way but you know raising awareness of the benefits of having a vaccine so maybe you know maybe we'll start with how has your organization been involved in that that massive covid effort that, that we've seen in Leeds. Yes, originally we agreed to become, um, you know, working with Easter Council and, and become one of those community care hubs. Yeah. Um, so, we, as I mentioned before, we didn't we didn't want to be and we don't want to be a service provider. Uh, yeah. But in that situation, we we had to turn ourselves into a service provider, and that service was, of course, to make sure that people uh, could have access to food. Um, could have access to support, mental health support, telephone conversations. We're not experts in mental health, but we are experts in building positive relationships in the community. And therefore, I think at a point of need where the local authority and large organisations couldn't mobilise in the same way that small rooted community organisations could, we, we stepped in and we were able to, to to respond in a really flexible way and build upon those strong networks and relationships that we'd already created prior to the pandemic uh, hitting. And of course, when you, I suppose in an area where um, there are issues that are amplified um, by, by the pandemic, yeah. um, we, we need, you know, we need to be, not, not only issues that are amplified, but also other issues that, that have come about directly as a result of that, just just like you know people accessing basic needs, you know that that has to be addressed first and foremost. And the response from the community to that was incredible. You know, so we might have led 
if you like the communication to start with but really that's just the catalyst for the community to come together to support each other and there you know so there was some incredible stories and, and at some point i think we'll probably stop as an organization and as a the collaboration of organizations that came together in seacroft and as the residents of seacroft came together and, and we'll stop and reflect on that situation it's not right just yet and we're not quite there but um you know there were some incredible stories uh, and the level of support for each other and 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 uh, I suppose that neighbourly approach to to helping each other out was fantastic. Um, so yeah, so we set we set up to, to do that for a period of time. Obviously, that went a little bit longer than we we would have liked. And I suppose the legacy of that at the moment is that we are still supporting people, um, not as frequently, but the but the need is still there, and it opened up issues around food security particularly um you know just listening to the the recent marmot report um and and he was talking about healthy eating and and that idea that you know the 10 percent most deprived households in this country if they were to do what we would class as eat healthily uh you know they would spend 74 percent of their income on food now that's obviously not doable so um and so, the, yeah, so, so the, the, there are issues around food security. And so we're trying to continue to support people rather than, than, than take that, um, that, that service away, if you like. However, we're trying to transition back from that into that asset-based style of working uh, yeah. where we work together, we co-produce, we co-create. Um, uh, but knowing that, I suppose, knowing that at any point, if we needed to step back into that service delivery, we're probably stronger now than, than we ever have been. Um, and and the, the the pandemic for us was a catalyst for the the sort of four or five or but five or six organisations in in third sector organisations in Seacroft to come together to respond. And that collaboration has continued. So we meet every morning at half past nine, and then every Thursday at half past nine we have a wider meeting across the community where we have people from the LCP local authority, community nurses, local councillors. And in that meeting, we look at complex cases in the community. We look at more strategic developments and responses to problems. Um, and, and that, you know, nothing positive has come from this, but that, that for us as an organisation has been a, been a positive step. That, that to be honest, the, the pandemic has caused that, you know, we, we had to come together. Um, in the first place but we didn't have to stay together and i think it's just been brilliant that we've managed to collaborate uh, on that level and that's continued and i think everybody's energized and enthused by that collaboration really looking to take it forward that is that is impressive so you're so you've naturally come together as a i suppose in a sort of a health term a multidisciplinary team <laughs> around and you're you're helping individuals and families in that multi-agency approach weekly i mean that that's that is immense that is immense isn't it uh well i suppose when you put it when you put it like that yeah, yeah. um it, yeah it is and I, and I think that's because of the people that's because of the people that have been involved you know and yeah. I, sometimes when when you're in those meetings and somebody brings up a problem or a topic or etc and it's you know it's, it's on zoom still so it's still a bit like looking at celebrity squares on your computer but yeah. then then the, the way it sort of pings around from square to square and there's a problem that's that's solved collectively often within like two or three minutes 
all right, let's such and such. I'll speak to them. They'll speak to them. We'll get in touch with them. I'll take that on. I'll sort that out. Sometimes I just sit and watch it um, develop, you know, and it's really, really exciting to watch, actually. I can Um, imagine. How does that how does that make you feel that that you're part of that? That's pretty. I don't I don't really have the words to describe it. It is amazing. So what's it like to be part of being able to solve those problems or or to just to improve the lives of of families or whoever it might be? Mm. That's quite a that must be quite a thing. Yeah, it's rewarding, isn't it? And and I think often in in whatever work you do, you don't often see um, an end to things. So, you know, working working with, with the LCPs and, and looking at trying to support people with well-being across the area as you'll well know it's very difficult to to measure sometimes you know and you, you can have personal stories or reflections or you can use swim webs or all different types of measurement techniques but actually just 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 watching organizations come together in the moment to solve a problem um, and a problem that probably uh, pre-pandemic would have taken two or three days to solve because by the time somebody picks up an email or answers the phone or you don't quite know what to do or you leave it sitting there um it, you know it is it's solved in five minutes it is really empowering um and it, and it just it, it, i suppose it, it shows you what's possible with genuine collaboration um and collaboration that everybody always wanted and it wasn't anybody's fault that it didn't happen you know because we're all busy and we're, oh, we must do this we must do that and we've all been there in that situation um but once we saw the power of it we were all um absolutely adamant across all of the organizations that this isn't going to go away and actually you know we're going to build on this we're going to we're going to use this with the community in the community to to help find sustainable solutions fabulous well i mean nobody knew what zoom was or what teams were or, or really what the power of collaborative you know video conferencing was until the pandemic hit and we had to do it so mm. i suppose out of a crisis has come such a sustainable and sustained effort in your community and that's going to continue so that's that's got to be celebrated that's that's amazing mm. fab so so in that sort of so so you know talking about local care partnerships and that coming together around your community it feels like you guys have pretty much nailed it <laughs> <laughs> there's not really much else to say is there the, you know what you're yeah, demonstrating speak. there is, is, is awesome um yeah but it's, go on sorry no i mean so i mean i suppose there's, there's not much else to say about the power of coming together and collaborating around solving problems because you've you've just really eloquently said that it that it works you've, you've come out of a, a crisis and a, and a need and that's and you've all recognized that that's that's something that needs to to, to continue so i mean I don't know. I feel a bit daft saying, "What do you see the benefits of of collaborative working?" Because it's it's obvious. Well, I I, I can give you an example. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Where I suppose it's it, thinking about the local care partnership and our relationship with the local care partnership. So I suppose my my work was about developing those relationships, um, and. So in a way, it's been it's kind of fallen in my lap really because that developing those relationships in a pandemic perversely was probably a lot easier than developing them in in what we would class as normal times i suppose um but within that so talking about the vaccine in in particular one one 
piece of work that we managed to do and and again this was about i suppose bringing residents together quickly who who were ready to respond who who had um intel information about the community and their response to the vaccine uh you know this feels like a long time ago now but it's it's yeah. still there isn't it yeah and and that idea that um people were reticent about it for 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 what what many of us might see as uh not valid reasons um but but it obviously you know they, they are valid reasons because they're deciding not to do something for for a reason so utilizing the partnership between the lcp and our community and at the other organizations that we work with we managed to pull together there's about sort of 12 people i think from uh, who were local residents and then a representation from across the lcp including um our community nurses um people who who worked in the sort of in in the research side people who worked in the marketing side of of how we get the information out around the vaccine and george uh george window the, the the gp i'm sure sure you'll know um who who turned out to be a little bit like george clooney in er in our in our zoom version uh of question time for the vaccine so so what we did is we sort of i i pulled this this group of residents together and just spoke to them about what what are the issues? What why do you think people are, are are you know so concerned about this? And if you're not concerned, why do you think other people are concerned? And um and then we formulated about twenty questions, I think that that we um that we shared with with George and his colleagues. Uh, and then we set up a live Zoom and just did it in a sort of a bit of a question time format. I put my Fiona Bruce dress on, and we. Uh, <laughs> We managed to to rattle through a huge amount actually in in just over an hour. Um, a lot of that because um, we'd worked carefully with the community and they trusted us to be able to advocate on their behalf or to be able to put them in a position where they can adv advocate on behalf of their community, and also because of the way um, the local care partnership had come together to respond to this, it was you know they were the ones who asked. You know what are we doing this right what can we change and of course when some of those questions came up around you know, does it affect fertility or or there was and you know that was a one question i suppose there's lots of kind of weird and wonderful questions that came with it as well the response from the lcp and and hopefully ourselves as organizations and george in particular um was so respectful and and it validated everything that they were concerned about whilst also helping them to see perhaps that some of the data they were getting was not sorry, wrong but questionable or there, were, there was multiple perspectives to this that they maybe hadn't seen um, and I think particularly the way George uh, spoke to the people and the, the, the way like I say validated their questions and, and, and made them feel important was fantastic and secondly the, the questions um, from, from Hannah McGurk around uh, okay how, how should we communicate this to your community then rather than this is what we're going to do it was well how should we use this information to communicate in a way which is suitable for you um and that was really empowering and again that came about because of this collaboration being thrown together so we were able to mobilize really quickly so it wasn't just about getting food parcels together and getting or getting medicine it was actually about responding to it in a more strategic way to issues like the vaccine um, and being able to sort of take the temperature if you like of the community and also giving them access to people who um 
are, are the people policymakers, um, you know, and helping them to see their side of it. So, and and I suppose those people that ask the questions and engage in that Zoom call, hopefully they will have gone back and you know spread the message of oh we've we've heard from George and Hannah that actually the things that we think we know they're not they're not actually correct or so in, in in that way encouraging people to sort of debunk those myths and get them to to come forward for a, a vaccine yeah i can see it's it's a two way thing isn't it like just what you said about the community influencing the policymakers and the policymakers engaging with the community to make sure that the policy does reflect what the community want and feel and think yeah yeah absolutely yeah and of course the, the, that kind of ripple effect for that we're, we were talking earlier weren't we about how do you know you have an impact or you have a positive effect that, that ripple effect we will probably never be able to see or gauge but you but you could you could tell when people were there that, that the way they responded that you know they 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 felt empowered by this, wow. and you know it was extremely likely that they were going to do do what you said. There's also some real surprises in there as well. I think uh, there's this lady that we work with, um, and she won't mind me talking talking about her, Emmy, who um, is from um, Nigerian descent, and spoke about how. Um, some of the reasons in West African communities around the vaccine uh, were sort of had re religious undertones to them, etc. And 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 the way she described it, it was so self-deprecating. It was it was really interesting, uh, almost as if to say, I, I'm not sure that some of these are true. But then also said, but I, but I believe them. But I've still had the vaccine. So she took photos of herself when she went for the vaccine and shared them with yeah. the communities that she she's in and that she works with, and sort of said, look, I you know I've done this, so you can do this. And yeah. it wasn't because some kind of rational uh, decision around actually, do you know, I've looked at all the data and I think it is all right. It was actually more of a compassionate decision to go. I've got to do this because then other people around me will do it and people will ultimately be safer. And that in a way is so much braver, that, you know, so she still had those inhibitions and whatever we said, we're not going to take those inhibitions away, but she just saw, she was just more altruistic and saw the bigger picture and, and did that on behalf of her, the communities that she, that she lives in, which I thought was amazing. Amazing story. That is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. So, so going back to, sort of, sort of to, to come to the end of this so how do you know that you're making stuff better for the people of your community what what evidence have you got I mean we've we you've already mentioned about it's very difficult to measure this sort of stuff and and I totally get that but what are the what are the people telling you in your communities that because LS14 trust is a is a thing and is, is you know signed up to that ABC way of way of working and improving what are they telling you that you know if you weren't there would anybody know would anybody notice mm. yeah i mean obviously we, we we've had uh, over the the last few years particularly um some quite em emotional narratives around uh people being really grateful for the for the level of support that that, that we've given uh, and again you know uh, there's there's no pride in 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 actually taking out however many food parcels. I'd rather there was no need, um, yeah. but actually, 
within that, again, we we managed to to nurture some positive relationships as, as a result of that. Um, and I think what what we don't want to be is an organisation where where people go, oh, we don't know what we'll do without you here kind of thing, because actually what we want to do is create um, a culture where people say, we can do brilliant stuff in this community and actually we might be a vehicle that helps them do that but not necessarily a crutch that that, that has to be there for them yeah um, they need to be independent don't they they don't they don't need to be dependent on you guys for like almost permission to do stuff just yeah. you just need to you know nudge them in the right direction and warm them up and give them some confidence i suppose yeah, totally. Yeah, I th- a really good example is um, over over the summer we had a, a lady um, from Syria who we were we were taking um, boxes out to families uh, that had a mixture of games and sports activities, um, food, and then a little timetable of things that happen in their specific neighbourhood. So not right across the well, maybe right across Seacroft, but also very particularly to them on a really sort of hyper local level. What's happening in their streets? And one of the uh, ladies who we work with and one of our members of staff who is, who is an ex-volunteer who also lives locally. And it wasn't really it wasn't there wasn't at work when they had this conversation. They were just chatting. Um, they, they said, why don't we do a box that's focused around Syria? And it was called From Syria to Leeds. And it charted this lady's journey and a family from Syria to Leeds. And then within the box, it had some Syrian recipes and some Syrian cake and food um, and then some information around, you know, how, how she'd got here. Um, and the response to it was absolutely incredible. It was, yeah. it was it was it was fantastic, and we opened a sort of closed Facebook group called Seacroft Sociable Folk. Um, I am going somewhere with this, and at the end, and I think that 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 Facebook group and the things that have come from that. So we we were the catalyst with these boxes that were going out into the community. However, those boxes have stopped now. That group is still there. Those conversations are still going on. That network of support is growing. Yeah. without us having anything to do with it and I think that that's how you measure success yeah. is you you watch people finding solutions supporting each other being creative you know you you watch that happen you don't make that happen uh, and that's how I think we measure success mm. what a fantastic what a fantastic example that's amazing cool right I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to our final question which i ask all the guests on the podcast is what's your big question so for the people of leeds or whoever listens to this podcast what's your big question right okay i think reflecting on on the situation with covid um and and the way that people responded um i suppose my question would be how can we harness that response, you know, and the, and the the goodwill that came from that response, both on an organisational level, mm-hmm. um, a community level, and an individual level? How can we harness the the passion and the support in the way we responded to COVID to respond to the issues with the climate? and how we address climate change and is there a way is there a way of doing that of making something that seems 
so far away, so less immediate than a pandemic, yeah. but actually far more harmful and more dangerous. How, how do you raise the profile of that so people can respond um, in that really sincere, authentic way where we support each other to find a solution? That is a great question. Thank you very much. I'll ponder that for the rest of the day. <laughs> Can you probably answer to that uh, by five o'clock, please? Uh, that will be a, a written test. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right, it's been an absolute delight to uh, to spend a little bit of time with you. Um, so really, thank you very much for your time. Um, some really powerful stories and and that community building is is so powerful and and yeah emotional i suppose that 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 from this crisis has come such positive relationships and and warm relationships and and long may that continue and an ice cream van so yes. all is good yes <laughs> so, so with that thank you very much and thank uh, you. yeah thank you cheers taking the time to listen to this podcast please do like subscribe and share with colleagues across your networks the podcast is available on a range of platforms including spotify and google podcasts until next time thank you